0: Welcome to the Reinventing Education Podcast, I'm Rob McLeod. If you want to get right into today's episode, skip ahead about six minutes from now. However, if two middle-aged guys trying to improv is your thing, man, these next five minutes are for you. The start of today's podcast is roughly five minutes of Brendan and I sort of trying to be a little bit more loose than normal, but arguably it's a bit of a train wreck. See, I'm bad at improv Brennan's actually quite good at it. And in our episodes, usually we're kind of sticking to our notes and not a lot of back and forth banter. Um, I think I threw Brennan off guard because I, at the start of this episode, unexpectedly thanked him for introducing me to some musicians I enjoy, and then things just kind of got off the rails from there on. It's a series of insider jokes or references that only he or I could make sense of. And I feel if you didn't have this forewarning, you'd listen to it and be like, what am I missing? This makes no sense. I have actually put links to the bands that Brendan introduced me to in this show's description, so perhaps you can be introduced to some of them through me uh, via Brendan. Why am I doing this? Well, two reasons. One, if you actually came here for information on how value systems impact what an education looks like, I didn't want you to spend these first five minutes being like, what? Am I listening to the wrong thing? Uh, And then also I just have these really anal retentive perfectionist type tendencies. So to further carry that out, I'm actually going to pop in once or twice to interrupt this debacle you're about to hear to decode a little bit of what's going on and uh, allow you to, uh, I guess, get like the director's commentary on some of the behind the scenes stuff that's going on in this uh, introduction we could have easily edited this out. There's a lot of stuff we end up taking out of our recordings before we release them to you. But we thought, hey, we'll leave this in because it does give a little glimpse at the sometimes awkward yet endearing guys that Brendan and I can be. If this doesn't sound like your thing, just skip ahead five minutes from now and see you in the episode. Welcome to the Reinventing Education podcast, a podcast for you if you're interested in seeing the potential in school, how it might be evolved so it could do some different things. I'm Rob McLeod. Today we are going to be discussing school assemblies in the mainstream school and joined as always by the illustrious Brendan O'Leary, the man who introduced me to Frank Sidebottom, Chris Seavey, and old Uncle Bob Pollard. How are you today, Brendan? I am okay, Robert. I'm glad that you
1: are enjoying those little dashes of culture. And thank you in your own sweet way for bringing me to the wonders of kayfabe.
0: <laughs> of. I've put you on the spot this moment. No, 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 no. No, there's someone me. trying to go to the bathroom in the background.
1: No, they just come in and <laughs> out. Of K-Fabe and of, come on, what's God's band called? Why can't
0: I remember the name? Oh, the Canadian band. Why can't I remember that name? Who's really big in Canada but not known? Burn oh. naked ladies. <laughs> Good try. Tragically hip.
1: K-Fabe, the tragically hip. And many, many more. <laughs>
0: Oh, I'm I'm touched. Yeah, we've introduced each other to a lot of culture, Canadian culture and Wigan culture, back and forth.
1: Kincardine. (laughs) Kincardine culture.
0: Culture from the Bruce. You've written an entire album about Bruce County, the county I come from, a county you have never set foot in, and aside from me, you likely wouldn't have known anything about not in the real world.
1: But in my heart, I'm a Brucer. I was mm-hmm. born a Brucer and I'll die a Brucer. Do
0: you so call if each other Bruces? <laughs> do I know all of the Bruces? Do you call each other Bruces? No, we do not call each other Bruces. Opportunity missed there. Just say but I'm not going to tell you
1: from the Bruce. Oh, I hope uh, looking out over the beautiful lake
0: Huron. Like Huron.
1: looking out over the beautiful leg here
0: on. Okay, so here is me interrupting this piece of performance art that you're hearing. Uh, just to point out that at this point, I was like, okay, I'm going to try and get us on topic. But Brendan delightfully decides to derail it in the beautifully iconoclastic way that he can. If you're with us and wondering what are we talking about and how in, in any way is this connected to school, you're having a very astute thought. So let's make a very non sequitur-like transition in today's, into today's topic. If you are new exactly. to us-
1: Shout out to Lucy Calkins and the Readers. Writer's, Writers
0: Workshop. <laughs> I love exactly. this disruption. This, this will be a callback by mentioning hey, disruption Rob, now to what? something later in the episode.
1: Hey, have you ever been to school, Robin? You've had a special day where boys and girls just just go bonkers. I have. Tell people about that.
0: I will. In I like, love this story. I will want do
1: it at the end. I will Wait do it at the end
0: after we talk about assemblies.
1: Editing nightmare.
0: <laughs> None of this is being edited out. All of this will be kept. It's a new Rob. I'm not the Rob who edits out the uh, the non on-topic sections. Meta moment. Shout out.
1: No, I was I was. I'm not going to shout out anybody. <laughs> if you're not going to edit out, I'm going. I'm not going to do anything offensive.
0: Okay. And then here's me once again pumping in. You're going to hear me now trying to actually start the episode. So if you've been. Enjoying this, I'm glad. Let us know. Maybe we do more of this at the start of our episodes. And uh, if you've been trying to skip ahead, here's the part you were trying to get to. Our episode is about to begin properly here now. Thanks. Okay. So if you're listening, if you're somehow still with us, and you've not thought, I, I've got better things to do than listen you don't. to this. The truth is, you probably do. Let's be the honest. truth is you started this
1: podcast and got on your bike and now you can't stop the bike to turn the podcast off. So you're with us. You're stuck.
0: Or you started doing the dishes. Your hands are now wet and you can't reach back to your device to switch to something else at this he point. Gotcha. He gotcha. Gotcha. You're trapped now, aren't you? You're at the sink. You're at the sink listening to Bubbles this. Bubbles up to your elbows rubber gloves
1: all i wanted to do was learn about assemblies in mainstream <laughs> schools and i'm and i'm having to be subjected to this mental torture
0: i rem- i've been waiting nearly a year since they spoke about assemblies in a traditional school and i wanted to know the next stage of school development's approach to assemblies
1: Seemed like when they put episode 50 out, they knew what they were talking about, but these are new depths.
0: So we are into the minutiae. We keep saying minutia, but maybe that's deflecting the fact that we actually feel this is necessary to go into this level of depth. So if you are new to us and somehow you're still with us on your bike or at the sink or not on a bike or on a, at a sink or on the sink washing Don't your dishes, yourself. It's just the sink and the
1: bikers at this point.
0: <laughs> Makes up our entire demographic. Sinks and bikes, bikes folk. We have this kind of crazy idea that seems to be sticking in the real world. We've got this map of three different types of school. We're saying there's traditional mainstream and progressive schools. And if that's a new idea to you, go back to our 50th episode, as we affectionately call episode 50. It's not really much of a nickname. It suits, if the cap fits. Go back to our 50th episode if this is all new to you, and somehow you're still with us enough to think this is worth checking out. Our main idea is there's three kinds of different schools. uh, Traditional, mainstream, progressive. This season, if you will, we've been going through all of the different things you'd find in most schools and trying to highlight how they would look different in a mainstream school compared to a traditional school and heads up, sometime far into the future, we will get around to looking at progressive schools and how these same things within a school will look different in a progressive school. So today, we're taking a topic which we think will be rather brief. We've already had quite an extended intro to get into it here. Our topic today is school assemblies. Now, of course, if you go to different schools, you are most likely to see school assemblies but if you pay close attention at the level of the depth and minutia we're presenting today, you may be able to see some factors that would help you to identify if this school might be operating more from a traditional or mainstream approach by seeing if some of these indicators of a mainstream approach are present in the school's assemblies. So Brendan, what might we see in a mainstream school's approach to assemblies? So I'm just gonna take a little detour back to what we said about traditional schools, just for a moment.
1: And we said that those traditional school assemblies were essentially there to reinforce the values of school and to build community, predictability, order, reinforcement, togetherness, maybe had a common effect on the community and, and was a, a way to share information in many ways, but also stories and, and ideas that would bring the community together while that's still a part of a mainstream school as you know underlying the mainstream school their values are much more about achievement taking opportunities setting and achieving goals and so what you might see in some assemblies in a mainstream school is a celebration of accomplishments much more there could be an element of learning, possibly a performance or some uh some drama, maybe a, a reading that would maybe teach something to the class, teach something to the to the school community that they, that they could then take back into the classroom and into their lives to use. Um sometimes it'll be like an acknowledgement of the school's current initiative. So there's a recycling drive, or if there's some kind of um larger community project going going on and um you might have someone come in and do a skit or a video and maybe even bring some skills into this that they can then tie into those bigger kind of picture ideas um it's also um One thing that we had at our school a lot, whenever we had like a fundraiser or an event coming up, this would be a time to hype that. So if you were going to have maybe a big raffle with with a big prize at the the summer fair the next week, someone would be in there trying to sell tickets and really, really show that this is something that um, you might gain something for yourself. And that's kind of a a little bit of a part of the mainstream school that, yeah, we're in it together and we support each other but there is a little bit of a friendly competition and when it's done well, it is friendly, but we have also (laughs) seen times when the competition takes over, but in our mainstream school here, we've got the assembly, We're, we're hyping up events, we're teaching kids new things and we're celebrating specific accomplishments. Is there anything else that we would add to that, Rob?
0: I can recall, I think I was in grade five or six, we had some fundraising drive coming up and I believe it was a magazine subscription sales thing where families could receive or purchase slightly discounted subscriptions to magazines. The school would get a kickback off it. And there was some kind of prize scheme where if you sold X number of subscriptions, you got this and that. And part of the fundraiser at the end, or sorry, part of the assembly for this, hyping it up, was uh, calling up two students. And when I look back on it now, I see what was happening. And one student was just being given questions about how does the fundraiser work? Like, hey, when you get someone, what form do they fill in? And when that student answered correctly, she got one of the prizes that we would earn for the prize game. So she walked out with a lot of stuff. And it just so happened I was the other volunteer and I was being given really fun, quirky brain teaser and tongue twister type questions, which inevitably I failed like two, out, you know, eight out of the 10 of them. I think I got two of them correct and walked away with far fewer prizes, which to the rest of the school's amusement was hilarious because he's given me tongue twisters that of course I couldn't carry out. Or I think the one I remember was something about, uh, say stop 10 times fast, say stop five times fast, and then say stop three times fast. And then it was, uh, what do you do when you get to a green light? And of course, you're so primed to say stop. And of course, he's like doing the rapid fire thing. And of course, that I remember just got such a hilarious response from the whole school. So anyways, small anecdote there. But the idea was like, hey, the school is doing a fundraiser we kind of need you to get behind this because this is really going to help the school to get some extra funds in order for more opportunities for us to provide you with more resources, more things, which is going to be better for you. And, you know, there's this real kind of modern, nearly capitalist, almost like incentivized workplace, like work bonus thing here of, hey, and if there's something in this for you, even directly, which probably speaks to you more, which is, you know, getting these crazy, ninja turtle themed pencil crayons or whatever it was that year um so to me that like really mirrors i think if you're into spiral dynamics that larger orange kind of idea of like hey your productivity your merit in any endeavor will be rewarded and rewarded accordingly and fairly for all students hey if you're willing to put in the work here's stuff for you
1: absolutely and i think one thing that we did in our time together when we worked together was we actually did What the mainstream does well is to take a format that worked in the traditional school and adapt it for new purposes and expand what it can do. And so we took, and it wasn't just our idea, of course, this has come from many places, but we took what was the traditional all classes come in and sit down and somebody does a 10 minute story or presentation. And we turned this into like a four week kind of week by week people came in and they had different activities to do and we had people working in different groups so week one maybe they worked in a group together to generate ideas on this value or topic or this uh, concept that the school was interested in promoting and then week two maybe they tried to drum up some kind of um or generate or create some kind of activity, poster, skit or whatever. And then in the third and fourth weeks, we shared them together. And so it came together a little bit more like a unit that you might see in in class. And it had way more interaction for the students. And it was more um, generally perceived by many kids as way more engaging and exciting. And it did the same job in many ways. Even more effectively, so that if we'd have got to the front of the class and read a few stories and watched a few videos about, say, being caring or uh, in- including others, yeah. So I think that's something that you would see much more in a mainstream school, whereas the traditional school I worked in a a school in Britain that was in many ways mainstream, but arguably in its assemblies and other areas was much more traditionally leaning. I think we had a, a hymn practice on Monday, and then we had the the head teacher would do an assembly, and this was a, a church school, a Church of England school, so the head teacher would then read maybe a Bible story or a story in that. Then I think Wednesday there was, n- there was no assembly, then on Thursday we would come in for an assembly led by one of the classes, often the traditional model that we've seen where everyone stands at the front and presents one piece of work, and then on Friday we did have much more of a mainstream celebration assembly in which every Every teacher would um, bring up some piece of work from students and kind of nominate students who, who, who would excel in a certain area. So it, it was a large amount of school time when you think about it overall, two to three hours of school time taken from assemblies in one week. Very few complaints, everybody just went along and, and did it. And some, some, uh, some people liked that it got them out of some lessons pupils as well as teachers maybe (laughs) Uh, and some people it was just uh, a terrible bore I'm sure and that's the way I felt when I was at school for sure other than the odd bit of hymn practice which I used to love especially when he threw in wild and uh, non-hymn songs can you imagine it Rob sitting in hymn practice singing a (laughs) non-hymn
0: So what strikes me there, like you say, is acknowledging the amount of time in a week dedicated in a more traditional leaning schools time table to assemblies. When I compare that to my North American experience, you know, growing up in Canada, both as a student in Ontario and then later as a teacher, when I'm talking about these assemblies we were having, these were maybe once a month, maybe once every other month and typically pretty short, if my memory serves me correct, like 30 minutes maximum kind of a thing. So there's far less of these happening throughout the school year and definitely not on a weekly basis, at least from what I remember. But I think in North America, Canada and the US in particular, a lot of these assemblies or the function of assemblies have been replaced with the morning announcements. So the announcements at my school in our first class could take anywhere from two to 15, sometimes even 20 minutes into that first lesson, depending on what was happening, I'd say typically, you're looking at two to three, maybe five minutes maximum to, you know, a reminder of a bake sale that's coming up a reminder of a school event, hey, you know, the boys or girls soccer team played last night against Port Elgin, and we won three to two or, you know, some kind of like, again, acknowledgement of accomplishments typically, and then a few kind of just general housekeeping things of, hey, reminder, this is coming up, you know, get your stuff in for this or whatever it is sort of thing. So I think some of those like functions got shifted into announcements in North American schools, whereas my experience so far in Europe, I've taught now in three different school buildings. I think two of them have not even had PA systems to be able to offer school-wide announcements, And the one that has a PA system gets used, the PA system gets used maybe once a month or so to quickly interject some message. And typically it's a bit of a rush thing. Oh, some people thought this was happening today, but it's not, see ya, (laughs) that sort of a thing. So it's just interesting that there seems to be in that North American culture, that idea of, no, no, we don't do these assemblies on ongoing basis, but yeah, five to anywhere up to 15, 20 minutes in class sitting there listening to essentially the radio in the school that's the way we do things here it is
1: an interesting
0: you know things that have stemmed from from different
1: traditions but but function in similar ways the more arguably more traditional leaning european and british schools have i guess just come out of that that old Traditional system, behind lots of assemblies, and that tradition, I'm guessing, just never existed in North America. Even though that idea of of, of coming together and celebrating the community is core in in those schools, and I, I uh, was there a, an analog to that? Was there a time when the classes came together, either in small groups or across the school, regularly to celebrate something or have some sense of community?
0: There would occasionally be targeted assemblies for smaller groups, like maybe, oh, grade four, five, and six are attending. And it could be maybe a more traditional thing of, oh, there's a speaker coming in just for those grades. It's not the whole school. Um, And in some of the schools I worked in, yes, there would be kind of like work projects that might overlap across grades. Um, But unless I'm totally forgetting something, I would say not in my experience. There wasn't as much of that. Well as with all of this stuff
1: we try and look for the the babies or the good stuff that uh, a mainstream assembly system or announcement system maybe could bring to a school what are some of the what are some of the good things
0: one of them you could argue is that it's taking that traditional approach which some would argue is wasting a lot of time or if wasting is too strong of a word derogatory You could say that perhaps those traditional assemblies could be more effective and more efficient with the time that they use for the purpose that they're intending so one of these good things whether it's that kind of more canadian approach of hey we only do these big assemblies a few times a year and you know we kind of tuck a lot of that other stuff into the first few minutes and announcements it is far more effective and more efficient it's really minimizing the disruptance of assemblies to the general teaching and learning that's happening in the school. And it's actually making use of the school community's potential that can't be accessed when everyone's isolated in their rooms. And it's saying, hey, there are certain things that are obviously better served to do in your classroom. There's some things we can't do as a school when we're all tucked away in our classrooms. There are certain things that we can do When we have a bunch of us in the room together, let's provide that opportunity, the chance for that to happen, and let's make the most of those things. And, you know, I think the example you're giving from our previous school is a pretty good example of that. Like, you know, there's not a lot of times in our work week or in the school week where, you know, all the classes from grades four, grades three, and grade two can work and interact together. Sure, they can play together outside on the playground, but there's not a chance where we can give them hopefully a meaningful task that helps them to explore an idea or a skill together and these sorts of things. So, you know, I think there's purposes and potentials of having the entire school together. And I think that's something the mainstream school does well is to say, yeah, let's be conscious about this and and let's use that. And as well, you mentioned that the traditional school, one of the drawbacks of it and its approach to assemblies is that the assembly can just be kind of a time of getting out of lessons or it's sort of almost oddly enough, something like separate from the teaching and learning. It's almost like a duty you have to do. No, you have to show up and be there for the 45 minutes to sit and listen to that story. You have to sit quietly. Um, whereas this mainstream approach, it's basically saying, hey, if you're having an assembly, in some way, this has to connect back to the teaching and learning, the curriculum, our school, character strengths that we're pushing, all of these sorts of things. Like this has to be intertwined with the other things that we're doing here. So, you know, maybe this is where, you know, the school has an aim, a focus, and we're bringing in visitors, guest speakers. Perhaps it has sort of the project style we were talking about in our previous school. Perhaps, you know, this is an opportunity to collaborate with others, and then we bring something back to the classroom, where maybe we do a little bit more of kind of a workshop style or, you know, we connect what's happening in the assembly to what's happening into the classroom and we connect what's happening in the classroom back to the assembly, which arguably, you'll see that sometimes in the traditional school, but not always in a traditional approach to assemblies. I think that's how
1: framing it because the more we do this, the more I can kind of hear a, a traditional voice in my head and a mainstream voice. And yeah, of course, it's somewhat strawmanning and stereotyping to some degree but i think a traditional teacher would say this still does connect but what it does is it connects to a larger more holistic kind of picture maybe it it, it connects to the ethos of the school it connects to our spirit and our mission but it doesn't explicitly connect to a lesson in the way that the mainstream school were like no you're talking about recycling in your class this week here is a presentation about recycling go and do this so so it, it is a much more explicit connection and that is another feature i guess of mainstream schools that so they uh, make that make those connections of those interactions a little bit more explicit and therefore in many ways more efficient and again that's not necessarily saying better or worse because there is a lot to be said for having that deep, holistic connection to the to the culture. Yeah, one, one kind of anecdote it reminds me of in my uh, school. Last time I was back in in England, and the school was really pushing to be an outstanding Ofsted school. After being the government inspectors, they had pretty good scores in their standardized tests for the last three or four years, and that's a really good sign. That when they come in, they're going to look around, and you know they try and say that that isn't their main indicator, but it. It's very, very high up on the list of things. As long as the kids are safe, the next most important thing is what do they score on their tests? And so what they did with the Ofsted inspection coming up, they actually cut down assemblies from like five or four in a week to like one in a week. And everyone was expected to spend that time then doing guided reading groups. So if you're not familiar with that idea, this would be groups of three or four children reading usually accompanied by an adult so myself and the classroom assistant would cycle throughout the week and we would read for about 20 minutes with uh, one group each per day while the kids are reading independently and it is an effective way to teach reading and it is a, a, a um, it is a, a well um well respected kind of way of uh, getting higher scores on standardized tests and you know building reading skills but one thing that was really Interesting is how the school just switched it out, and arguably this is was a, it's a mainstream school, more traditionally leaning, it had a lot of traditional things in, but it was clearly gunning for that mainstream success. And the way to get it is you switch out your traditional assemblies for some much more um, pointed and effective reading practice.
0: In um, a mainstream approach to reading practice, not a traditional. A very approach.
1: mainstream, yeah. The kids are not reading by rote; they're not reading individually. It's like, no, we've got this group. It's a discussion based, and and actually, I love guided reading groups, and, and we both taught them a lot. And the they are a, a really cool way to um, to run, whether you run them like a book club or whether it's more uh, a slightly more uh, formal approach. But whichever way, it gets you uh, time with a small group. And I think that's very indicative of a school that's that views mainstream success and they just make a very conscious decision to switch out this less necessary, shall we say, or quotes for something that's going to be much more
0: practically useful. What would interest me sit in the room when that decision was made and to see if it was just brought up like, hey, we're going to, for the next little while, swap out our assemblies for guided reading groups. Or if there was like kind of a tallying of like, hey, we need more guided reading groups to get ready for this Ofsted thing. What's on the table for where we could jump into? And if there was any weighing of pros and cons of other things, my assumption is it would be pretty clear. That would be my guess if I had to put money on it. would be pretty clear that it's like, eh, no one's gonna say this, but we could be really maximizing the potential of this time differently to meet these school aims, which again is just worded and framed completely in that mainstream approach to school. We have goals. How can we effectively and efficiently reach them? What's less effective? What's less efficient for us to attain and reach our goals? Which? What are our goals around student achievement, around our own school's achievement in terms of a meritocracy of the Ofsted Outstanding School System, you know, it's just, you can see how every single piece of this is in that mainstream matrix, at least in the way I'm framing it. Absolutely, and that that school was more, shall we say, data-driven, for better
1: and worse, than any other that I've worked in, that we would actually have meetings looking at specific children's data and how many levels or sub levels as they call them in in britain they'd achieved um and aiming for that effectiveness but really interesting also the most traditional school i've ever worked at in many ways so there's this more than anywhere else there was this push and pull between those two systems going on lots of talk of tradition Lots of talk of, this was actually a school where when the kids left primary, they would go to a secondary school, which was still one of the ones where the priest would have to, your local priest would have to sign to say that you'd been to to church a certain number of times so that you could get into this school. But at the same time, they were bumping the priest's weekly (laughs) speech to the kids so they could do guided reading groups. And so this, like, there was, you know, a real pull and push going on um which is central to i would say british educational culture as well as you really dig into it those forces at play and uh that's without even sprinkling the little bits of more progressive thought that were here in there uh, it's a complex thing rob as we've said many times
0: it is and it's what you just described is also central to our general narrative on this podcast, which if we boiled it down to a sentence, I think is, hey, there's a tug of war between traditional mainstream progressive schooling happening in every school, happening in every school's culture, and happening within every individual involved within that school's network of of stakeholders. So cool. Those are some babies of the mainstream approach to assemblies. What are the bathwater, perhaps some of the less desirable things or problems that this approach to assemblies can bring online that arguably could be maybe a solved by a more traditional or a more progressive approach?
1: Yes, yeah, so I think viewing this kind of um, celebrations-led assemblies or playing around with the format or just using announcements instead of actual assemblies would be viewed from both the traditional and possibly even a progressive as a as a lack of a, a space where everybody was together it actually draws away from the sense of community and spending genuine time together and i've actually in a school that i worked at a different school not the one in britain we moved away from having assemblies arguably a, a more progressive leaning school started to move away from these assemblies because they were seen as quite traditional. And also, I think the progressive school has a... uh, I'd I'd be interested to see when we get to the assemblies on progressive schools and see what they actually say, because I'm not 100% sure. But what was clear is that the school felt that we we didn't need them in that traditional sense anymore. And, And I was becoming quite worried of us removing these community Uh, opportunities as as we moved more into arguably more progressive small groups working together projects and and other kind of things it was replaced with something but that this getting everybody together and similarly those big events like we had a christmas concert and we kind of moved away from those as well in that school where yeah you wonder whether even though that is you know kind of static and feels outdated in some ways maybe it still does perform a, a unique kind of role in the community that, that, that isn't found anywhere else in the school. I'd say an, another drawback of the kind of assembly system is a progressive school would see that there is not always much of a, a choice for students inside that assembly. Now we've played around with formats before and, and maybe listeners have, have seen where students get some choice, maybe they even run the assembly. But often they're running it based on uh, a kind of set of protocols that are already very well established. So yes, the students designed this assembly, but it was a a skit based on some values that they were asked to do. And yeah, there's a place for student agency there. But it isn't really a a meaningful uh, interaction between people. It doesn't really play any fundamental role in the organization and i have have seen and heard about some more democratic schools that would have much more their assemblies looked much more like what we would have at like a staff meeting almost where people are bringing forward their issues their concerns and having discussions and so there wasn't you know as far removed as from the sage on the stage talking to 150 people It suddenly becomes small groups or a big circle of people talking to each other. And then I think the progressive school, they would start to see that 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 introduced meaning once more to these uh, collective events.
0: Yeah, and I think just to go back to what you said a minute ago, that distinction between a student who's presenting a skit at the mainstream school, that distinction between what is their agency and what are they sort of being compelled to do. It's sort of like, well, yeah, that skit that they're doing, they wrote with their friends, with their peers. They chose the general content of it. They planned it. It wasn't maybe you know, micromanaged by the teacher necessarily. It maybe even demonstrates some of the the learning objectives that they've been doing in the classroom in terms of drama presentations or idea organization or writing scripts or that sort of thing. But where they don't have the agency is it's sort of like, well, you don't get a choice. We're studying this thing right now, or we're studying and working on these curriculum objectives in drama or English class or whatever. And this is the school's aim and push right now, regardless of whether it's actually meaningful to you. Now, I think this is the important distinction, because again, I don't want a straw man. I think mainstream schools at their best say, here's the curriculum. Your achievement in this is important. And when it's done best, a mainstream school helps a student to find their own meaning in relationship to that curriculum. I think that's what a really effective mainstream teacher does. But this is where the progressive criticism would come in. They'd say, at the end of the day, you're still dictating the hoops that student has to jump through. And yes, they have to jump through the hoop and can be given a great deal of agency. But at the end of the day, the hoop jumping isn't within their agency. They don't get a say in that part. The curriculum is dictating that. Hence, the superintendent is dictating that. Hence, the heads of schools are dictating that. Hence, the teachers and teaching assistants and everyone involved in the classroom are bound to the carrying out of those curriculum objectives. So I think that's that really core fundamental piece of The criticism at the mainstream level would just be saying yeah the student had to (laughs) do a skit on that and yes they had free reign within it but at the end of the day they were compelled because their teacher was compelled because their head of school was compelled because the superintendent was compelled to do these things yeah
1: on that day at that time for that (laughs) amount (laughs) and so yeah, there's a nagging voice in, in my head as well. Well, what else could they do? And the progressive answer would be, well, take every single one of those elements, the day, the time, the choice of whether or not you do it, the choice of what you present, and just say, it's up to you. It's up to you when you do it, how long it lasts. But that would be chaos. Well, argue with the progressive school would say it wouldn't be chaos because the communication, the relationships between that would, would mean that you would make times that worked for people.
0: Well, and, and I, yeah, I would add to that, maybe not just it's up to you, but it's up to you and it's up to us, is what I'd say. Yeah. It's up to you and it's up to us.
1: Yeah, so it starts with your decision and your actions, but it doesn't end there, you take yeah. it to the others. And, and then arguably that does happen inside a mainstream school to some degree, but again, as we keep saying, it's kind of on the terms of the people holding the reins of power. And that's kind of the big distinction as you move into progressive schools that power sharing is arguably, or at its best,
0: distributed. Well, so we assemblies, go, that was, we thought it was yeah. going to be 10 minutes. We only had a few yeah. notes to jump off of. But as always, you begin to untangle these things and you realize how deep the roots go.
1: Yeah, and I like to break kayfabe for a second. I like... The fact that there's a bit more space to talk about these things and go off into a few areas when we're not trying to tackle teaching ethos and the school's organization in like 15 minutes. So uh, hope you're bored with us, but not bored with us. Let us know what you think. Where should they do that? Those wise words. Open up your internet browser and just shout it all in there and we'll catch it. (laughs) At reinventing education podcast at gmail.com we're also on the twitters feel free to reach out and have a chat as as uh, several people have done recently and if you if you look at some of our recent and upcoming episodes there with people that are kind of at the beginning we we had a little tag at the end that said we're we're trying to uh, build a community and reach out and we genuinely were at that time and Took a little while to start making inroads into that, but I feel that we kind of are now. We've got a little network of people and the the more we can grow that with people who are interested in these ideas and want to talk, the better. So don't be afraid, reach out and let's have that conversation.
0: Well, and to some degree, that even just feeds back into what we've been talking about today, which is like, how do we, the growing reinventing education conglomerate interact with each other where do we meet and it's sort of like yeah we tried Facebook groups we've tried you know the the typical social media things and it's like ah, this just doesn't work leaving a few comments here it's like yeah I'm glad someone listened to that or brought that up but it's not the way I think that kind of our tribe is going to interact oh I don't like that I used tribe such a cliche thing from five years ago (laughs) but you know it's tribes not
1: not only five years ago Rob I heard that I'd heard that term even when
0: I was a child. <sighs> it's what people who are into this kind of stuff were saying all the time five years ago. It still just lingered. It's like Necromise. me saying cowabunga now. And then that's feeling right. So painfully 90s. Um, where I'm going with this is Eat just to say we've found that a simple email and then a Zoom chat has been a far better way to more authentically and meaningfully connect with you, with us, both in terms of the two of us and the larger sense of us. Um, So yeah, get in touch, let's have some conversations. This seems to be far more interesting than just um, being limited to sending a few words online. But we can also have that for places where it's appropriate to do that. And as you said, it was nice to have this time to expand on assemblies. And before we started recording, I was like, yeah, next time we'll just do teaching learning philosophies, which is arguably the most loaded thing. We've got end class culture and classroom layout in the next one to just tidally tie those all together. And there's no way that's happening. Because so we're I think- kind of in though, because
1: we realize there's like 30 of these and we want to get onto the progressive school and then onto the, that fourth integral developmentally minded school and then crack this and then have the answer by episode originally 100 but uh, now it might be 200 but uh, i'm feeling like maybe we need to swim a little bit more gently in these waters
0: yeah i think so i think there's a reason these are taking the time that they are because we need the dive that we're doing so rather than all three of those bundled together let's see if Next time we can do teaching and learning philosophies in a single episode, mm. or if that will stretch across into a Hobbit-esque two- into two-part a two-part double album, like exactly, <laughs> like the melancholy and the infinite sadness, or yes, whatever is that? Like Why we zowie. double Why we
1: zowie? By Pavement was a three-sided album. You know that? It was a double vinyl, but it had no songs on the fourth side. Hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Very
0: weird. Wowie Zowie by Pavement. Yes. I did not know that. I only knew it as a cassette album. We wanted to discuss end of school traditions. This is a callback to what we were doing, that rambling, terrifying intro we were doing, because you're probably hearing this if you're listening to it as this is being released. It's probably near the end of the school year for you, students, or the school down the street from you, and Brennan and I just wanted to share some anecdotes about how our schools wrap up because I'm currently in a school that is tied to the German system, and it is possibly an interesting time machine to be connected to the German system, which arguably arose more directly out of the Prussian system than any other school system in the world. And I think there are still echoes of those early days of the Prussian system in terms of what you do see in some German schools. What is fascinating to someone who didn't grow up in the German system, and especially grew up in the arguably very prim and proper Canadian system that doesn't like wildness, is in the German system at the end of the school year, there's something called gag, which seems to be a tradition in every German school. In Germany and the German schools abroad. And the Abbey Gag is named Abbey Gag because there is the Abbey Tour, which is often just referred to as the Abbey. And the Abbey Tour are the giant, rather daunting end of school exams for a student in the German system. Uh, basically, consists of several weeks of written exams, then a little break of usually about two or three weeks, and then a few days of oral exams. Um, and it's rather daunting. Like, it's it's a lot to go through. But during this little gap of time between the written Abitur exams and the spoken or oral Abitur exams, there is the Abby gag, which is a planned by the students, the graduating class specifically. The rest of the school does not participate in this. The graduating class, the grade 12s, will plan this with a very minimal level of communication with the leadership of the school. In theory, the teachers do not know when this is coming, the day or the time of day. And the grade 12 students, this is like, I. the closest thing I could compare this to is like, medieval societies, which are so tightly ordered. And then there's that one day festival of the year where the king is dressed in rags and you know, humiliated, because what happens on the Abbey gig, there is some level of entire school disruption. The examples of this could include uh, filling classrooms or school offices with boxes, bottles of water, cups of water so the rooms are not functional, throwing desks out into the hallways, creating giant obstructions, uh, driving cars into the school grounds and blocking school doors, these sorts of things. Uh, But typically, from what I understand, most involve a lot of super soakers dousing everyone with water or color and some kind of games, trivia contests, physical feats contests that have the sole intention of humiliating the teachers and most specifically the school leadership and it's sort of this wild one day of the year where none of the norms apply none of the normal school rules apply and basically for this like 4 hour window the graduating class is kind of given carte blanche to do anything as long as it's still legal and doesn't direct it, you know doesn't directly contribute to damage of school property to a large degree i think as long as you're not doing something actually illegal and actually damaging of school property essentially anything else is fair game does that look just, anything like the, the no it doesn't the happens think, in japan i mean the, the way the end of the year happens
1: i can't talk too much about that kind of stuff because i don't think there's anything to report in those in that i think you've pulled the trump card out there with the abby abby gag i think I just wanted to hear you talk about that because it's, <laughs> it's unbelievable, you know. I, because uh, you know they have kind Carna- of they have carnival in uh, in Germany, which is a
0: is a little Similar. bit of a
1: mocking mocking the authority. And in um, Stuart Lee, the comedian did that great documentary about the the clowns in, I think it was Northern Mexico, um, where they were yeah these clowns would descend on the villages for like one afternoon and just like literally take small children from their mothers and throw them into the into the pond or whatever and uh, just cause utter destruction and um and there's something deeply inside that traditional mindset that like we've got to pop the cork off the bottle once every year every six months to the year and uh, safely allow the uh the hierarchy to be flipped and um in many ways as we were saying earlier when we're chatting it it actually reinforces the hierarchy because a hierarchy would not do that if they had any any worries whatsoever about regaining power we're not turning into uh, some 80s horror movie where suddenly it's a dystopian future. No, we know full well that uh, after this afternoon's over, we shall never talk of it again and everything will go back to normal.
0: And I just love that. And that's exactly what happened. It happened on Wednesday. And then by Thursday, we're back to, com- well, even by Wednesday afternoon, we're back to complete business as normal, Classes is classes back to functioning. Yeah, there's colorful paint everywhere, yeah, there are inappropriate signs strewn throughout the school as evidence of what took place in the morning. Yeah, the halls are soaked with water, but hey, we've got class and you got a vocabulary test this afternoon. Like, it—it It is crazy how it goes from pure chaos that even 10% of that would never be allowed on any other school day throughout the year. Not tolerated in any sense, but in that small window, you've got that day, those few hours where we agree you've got total carte blanche as the graduating class. This idea of high
1: trust cultures, I was talking before as well, reading that book, The Culture Map, I can't remember if I've mentioned it on the show before. also can't remember who wrote it, Erin something. It's really cool and it does distinguish between these high trust cultures, such as Germany and uh, places like Japan, high trust traditional everyone knows what's happening and what's expected and uh yeah in a lower trust culture like britain like we wouldn't be sure that we could regain any kind of control should this even be allowed once and we're not even sure whether people would tacitly understand where the lines are and i'm sure some of these kids transgress the lines slightly here and there but uh You know, it's unlikely in many cultures that um, uh, me at 16 or 18, I just like, given that there's no way I would have known where any of those lines were, (laughs) it was a very, it would have been a very bad idea to allow me that kind of freedom at that age or at any age for that matter.
0: You know yourself well. All right, Brennan, thanks for the chat on assemblies in a mainstream school. Next, teaching and learning philosophies in the mainstream school.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Thanks, Brendan. Next week, we're talking to Malcolm for round three, I believe. So he might that's what might be coming up soon. We had a great chat with him a few weeks ago. Yeah. and uh, But we talked big picture. We want to get into a little bit more of the nuts and bolts and the day-to-day and uh, really enjoy talking to, to that chap. So hopefully you'll hear that soon. And, uh, yeah, thanks very much for the chat, Robert.
0: Thanks, Brennan. I don't know if you've noticed what's happened in our last 70 or so episodes, but typically I say thanks, Brendan, and then you say thanks, Rob, and then that, that's the end. I already said thanks, Brendan. Breaking traditions one episode at a time. Look at you just taking that little bit of freedom to step out of our traditions and going wild with it.
1: I... I uh... I point the honoured gentleman towards the first 15 minutes of this episode and and, and all the other podcasts that I do. <laughs> this, is, this is the only one that has a semblance of seriousness.
0: It's true. If you haven't checked them out, check out The Modcast, where Brendan and his biological brother Nathan dive as deep as we do into the three types of school, into the world and life of Mod Flanders from The Simpsons, and the fallout, F period a period l period l period o period u period t period podcast i think also has all the periods
1: but well, you're 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 saying it wrong because they're actually dots they're not um they're not periods no okay. full stops isn't acceptable <laughs> stop. um but um yes generally and that's that's where a, you a discuss into, the
0: band of the fall
1: the band of the fall by looking at their 500
0: songs it's a great one taking their 500 songs
1: the ven of Maud Maud Flanders fans
0: the fall fans and reinventing education fans education wonks that might be just me (laughs) who likes all three of them and you that would be it. it but if there is someone else who likes all of them reach out to us via email Inventing Education podcast. Thanks, Brennan. Thanks, Rob.